All right, everyone. Uh, while you are finding your seats, I'll remind those of you online that you can check in at our on our app. So search your app store for Church Center and then find Cornerstone Community Church. And if you are here, you can use the check-in card. Now, last week I realized we didn't make this clear, but when you fill out the check-in card, drop it in one of these white buckets. There's going to be a white bucket by that entrance and a white bucket by that entrance. So be sure that you do that. We are in part three of Reboot, and I have just a little kind of bumper intro video for today. So let's watch that, and we'll get started. I realized last week uh, that I had not made really clear kind of what the organizing principle of this series is because it's going to be a little bit all over the place. But I, when I saw this video, I thought, oh, that's, that's a good way of organizing, and I just kind of wrote out my thoughts. I've subtitled this series, Fresh Perspectives and Clean Slates. Fresh Perspectives and Clean Slates. And here's the kind of thing that I mean by that. You saw it in that opening video of Vision of picture of the world. And of course, it's zooming in on the land of Israel and where Jesus' uh, ministry occurred. But that wide shot that starts out reminds me of creation. And you might have noticed that over the uh, first two weeks of this series, I talked a lot about creation. And so that's that idea of fresh perspectives that I had not noticed before. And I wanted to share with you something that was new and fresh to me, which is that idea that God forms and fills, and we see that even in creation. So hopefully there will be a couple of messages where you will gain some fresh insight or fresh perspective, something that you haven't thought about or noticed before. Uh, but as I said, this whole um, intro video focuses on Jesus' ministry and kind of zooms in on that. And that's the other aspect, and we'll begin to do that a little bit more today. I want to, in the time between the beginning of the year and the time that we celebrate Easter in early April, to focus on Jesus and his ministry. And my hope is that we will get a sense of how radical, how different, how world-changing Jesus' identity, his ministry, his teaching was. I think, especially for any of us that have been a part of church for a long time, it's very easy to kind of get just accustomed 
to Jesus and his teaching. And one of the things that I've been doing uh, towards the end of the year into this year is doing some reading from his, uh, a historical perspective and from historians and not necessarily from a Christian perspective, but even if you're just looking at Jesus and the movement that he uh, prompted just from a historical perspective, it's pretty incredible. And so my hope is that over the time that we are going through this series and looking at the life of Jesus, that we'll get some fresh perspectives on that as well and really come to appreciate and love Jesus more as a result. And then thirdly, this uh, intro video ends with uh, a hint at the cross, and the cross hints at resurrection, and that's where we're talking about clean slates. I'm hoping that through the course of this series, you will have an opportunity to see how God has given you a fresh start and a clean slate individually, but also to be aware for us as a church, as a congregation, what is open to us as next steps. So that's kind of the outline of what we're going to be uh, doing. And again, today, I'm going to shift a little bit away from creation, but we'll talk about that a little bit and talk about Jesus a little bit more. And this message is called Hard Work Versus Say So. Hard Work Versus say so. And here's the kind of thing that we'll be talking about. You think about something that you've wanted to accomplish, something that you have tried to uh, do, and you've put a lot of effort and work into it, and it seems like it is coming to nothing. Frustration, difficulty, challenges, roadblocks seem to be the norm. And it might seem like the harder you work at it, the more effort that you put into it, the less progress you make. I won't ask for a show of hands because I'm sure that all of us can think of something and uh, relate to that experience. Whereas um, sometimes we are praying for something, sometimes it doesn't happen. Sometimes we're working for something, sometimes it doesn't happen. But... Um, Despite our efforts, sometimes God steps in and something that we have been working for and praying for and hoping for, he gives the word and our situation radically changes. It's the difference between our hard work and God's say-so. Now, when we were looking at creation and Sabbath rest, over the past couple of weeks, you might remember this verse from Hebrews chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, two verses actually, where it says, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. In other words, there's a Sabbath rest that has been promised. It has not been delivered on yet, and therefore it still remains. And it goes on to say in verse 10, for anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works just as God did from his. And what the writer of Hebrews is doing is explaining the gospel by using this idea of the Sabbath rest and of creation. 
And what he's likening it to is saying, just like in the creation account where God does all of this and prepares everything, and you get to that seventh day, which we noted, it does not say, and there was morning and there was evening, the seventh day. It, it's that idea that this just is supposed to be the ongoing state of entering into God's rest. God has formed and structured the world. He's filled it with good things and then handed it over to his people. And what the author of Hebrews is doing is saying, in the same way, salvation, a relationship with God, entering into his favor, entering into his family, being a citizen of the kingdom of God is a lot like that. We used to think that we had to obey all these rules and do all of these things, and then that would open the door into God's kingdom. But the gospel reveals that, number one, that's impossible for us because we could never be good enough. We could never work hard enough. We, would have, uh, we, we can't do that. So we are dependent upon God forming and structuring a way for us to enter into salvation and then for us to just be able to walk into it as a gift there remains a sabbath rest and so when we enter into that we stop working we stop trying to earn god's favor we stop trying to uh to uh, recreate a perfect record which we could never do and instead we just rest and we accept what god has done for us it's a reverse of the curse that we find in Genesis 3.19, where it says, by the sweat of your brow, you will have food to eat. By the sweat of your brow, you will have food to eat. In other words, if it's going to be, it's going to be up to you. You got to make it happen. You have to have the sweat of your brow if you're going to make progress. And what God has done in the gospel is he has reversed the curse and he has taken care of things in order that we can just enter in and rest. So today, we're going to be talking about this idea of control. Because what you're doing there is, what you're, is you're making a shift between I've got to do all these things to I'm going to depend upon God. You're surrendering control. In fact, that was the application step. The next step for the last two weeks was surrender the structure of your life to God. Let him form, let him fill your life with good things. So we're going to kind of pick up on that theme again and talk about this idea of control. And the bottom line for today, again, if you're taking notes, is that we surrender control of our life to get different results in our lives. Surrender control of your life to get different results in your life. Uh, I think it's attributed to, to Albert Einstein, the, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting to get different results. Well, if you have been in control, if you have been depending upon your effort, your wisdom, your strength in order to accomplish results and you're getting what you're getting, it would be silly to think that by doing the same thing, you're going to get different results. So we surrender control of our lives to get different results in our lives. So my challenge for you at the end of this will be to choose one area of your life where you'd like to see different results and ask the Lord to take control, to surrender control to the Lord. Today's scripture is found in the Gospel of Luke. It's Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. I'm going to read in the New Living Translation if you'd like to follow along. Short, short passage, very famous. You may be familiar with it. One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, 
And your translation might say the Lake, lake Gesenerit, Gesenerit, Galilee, Tiberias. These were all different names for the same body of water that is up in the region of Galilee, which is where Nazareth, the, the, the Jesus' hometown is, and Simon Peter's hometown, Capernaum. So they're on the, the shore of the Sea of Galilee. Great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, this is Simon Peter, its owner, to push it out on into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. Now this is kind of this is kind of genius because the crowds are pressing in on him. And so he says, I need a little bit of space. So he jumps in the boat, moves out in the water just a little bit, great acoustics, and now he's got a pulpit with a moat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time... Their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, O oh Lord, please leave me. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come to you grateful for your word and asking for your insight as you authored and preserved your word for us, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us today through it, that you would prepare our hearts, that you would make us receptive and open to whatever you want to say to us, and that you would make it clear what we need to hear from today's message and how we need to and can apply it to our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so today talking about control, saying that surrendering control of your life will get different results in your life. That's how you get these different results. So I'm going to ask you, I'm, I'm going to ask a couple of questions that are kind of leading up to that, observations from this that we can apply to our life. So the first question is this, whose timing will you follow? Whose timing will you follow? When you have a prayer request, when you have an objective, when you have a design or desire, there's usually a time frame associated with that. Usually, it's right now or yesterday would be good, Lord, right? That's, that's generally the way that we like it. But part of surrendering control is surrendering the timing of your life to your heavenly Father. Here's where I see that. In Luke 5.2, it says that Jesus noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, 
for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Now, the kind of fishing that they would do is they would go out in a boat, they would cast these nets, draw them in, fill up the boat, go home. That would happen at night. Night was the best time for fishing. So this is probably in the early morning. They've been fishing. They've done their work day during the night. And now it's the end of their work day in the early morning. They've already set the boats aside and they've begun washing and putting away their nets. This is not the time to go fishing. This is the time when you finish fishing. So that's what's going on as Jesus comes up, he uh, preaches his message, and then the message is over, and he does this. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, the owner of the boat, the one who had rowed him out a little bit from the shore, now, there's the timing, now go out where it's deeper and let your nets, uh, let down your nets to catch some fish. Now, This was not the time to go fishing. It was a bad time to go fishing. It would have been extra work. They've already pulled the boats up on on the shore, probably. They've already begun to wash and put away their nets. And now just the time where they're going home, he wants them to go back out and pick up the fishing again. It's not the right timing. How often when we pray, when we're seeking the Lord in something, do we think, I know the best timing. Lord, I really wish that you would just agree with me and make this happen. I have been praying for, I've been asking you guys to pray for our next location. I wanted to be in our next location at the beginning of this year. We are now in the fourth week of January. That is not the time frame that I had in mind. It's not the time frame that I was praying for and hoping for, but I am surrendering a statement of faith. (laughs) I am surrendering the timing of that to the Lord. And here's something that might help. I've told some of you individually this, that uh, it's been really helpful for me to have this perspective. If we have a loving Heavenly Father that has our best interests at heart, that knows what is best for us, knows the situation, if I want something and I want it in a particular time frame and it doesn't happen, I'm just going to trust that he is either saving me from something that I really don't want, or he is saving me for something better. Now, that might seem hopelessly optimistic to you. However, I just trust, I'm just going to trust that the Lord is that good, that he's that sovereign, that he's that in control. And so when the timing doesn't work out for me, I'm just going to assume when the roadblocks come up, when the answer is no instead of yes, I'm just going to assume that my loving Heavenly Father is saving me from something or he's saving me for something better. And so I'm going to surrender the timing of our next location and anything else that the Lord has in mind to him. So that's part of surrendering control. That's what the the Apostle Peter had to do in order to follow Jesus in this moment was to forget about the timing that he is used to and align his life with Jesus' timing. That was how he surrendered control of his life. And as we'll see, he's going to get different results as well. 
The second question that I'm going to ask is this. Whose wisdom will prevail? Whose wisdom will prevail? Think about this for just a second. Jesus was brought up, we, uh, we believe, in a carpenter's household, and he's not, therefore he is not a fisherman. Peter is a professional. He does this for a business, for a living. Sometimes because my experience with fishing is generally recreational and there's not much experience there, uh, at least not of catching fish. Uh, but I don't tend to think of it as a profession. But this is his business. This is what he does for a living. He probably grew up in this area. Grew uh, His partners, uh, James and John, sons of Zebedee, uh, are inheriting their father's business. So they've been at it for perhaps generations. They know how to fish. And therefore, they have the wisdom that they need. They have the expertise in order to catch fish. Jesus, a carpenter, a preacher, probably, they would think, does not have this expertise. So whose wisdom is going to prevail in this situation? And this is the hinge on which this whole story turns. It's in chapter 5, verse 5, when Simon replies, we worked hard all last night. In other words, it wasn't for a lack of effort that this isn't happening. We worked hard all night and didn't catch a thing. We worked hard all night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. Now think about this for just a second. Not only was the timing wrong, and Peter would have known that, the, not only did they go through all of this effort last night during the work day and not get anything now they've gone through all the effort of closing down the ship the the boat for the day cleaned their nets so this does not make sense but he says master in spite of all of this if you say so i'll do what you say like I said, this is the hinge point on which this whole story turns because Simon Peter had to decide in that moment whose wisdom was going to prevail. Him, his professional knowledge and experience, or this preacher from a carpenter's household. Now, last week when I was talking about the form and structure that God gives and talking about our finances, our sexuality, our schedule, uh, you would be forgiven for saying, what, seven, uh, you're, you're, you're asking me to take an entire day off during the week? You don't know my schedule, Brian. You don't know all the things that have to be done. You don't know the responsibilities that I have. That is completely unreasonable to think that I'm going to set aside a whole day to cease working and just rest. You might have heard me suggest that you give a tithe and say, you don't know what's going on with me. It doesn't make sense. I'm not making it on 100%. How am I going to make it on 90%? You might have listened to the part about sexuality and said, uh, what century are you living in? Uh, it, you're, you're expecting us to follow this old, outmoded, outdated model of how we manage our sexuality. People don't get married in their late teens, early 20s anymore. They, they might go a decade of, of adulthood before they get married, and you're expecting this kind of standard? You would be forgiven 
for saying, this doesn't make sense. This is not how the world works. You don't know my life. But that's the very hinge point that you are facing right now. Whose wisdom is going to prevail? Who knows more? Who is better suited to make these decisions for my life? Whose wisdom is going to prevail in your life? We want to surrender. If we want different results, we're going to have to surrender control. We surrender control of our life to get different results in your life. So the last question is this about the results. Which result will you experience? Which result will you experience? Now, after that hinge point where Peter sets aside his timing, sets aside his wisdom, and surrenders control to Jesus, he goes out, he casts the net, and at that point, the nets that had remained empty and still all night long began to fill with fish, so much so that they began to tear. This is obviously a different result than what they have been getting. And notice that it is not without effort. They still had to cast the net. I imagine it, was, it took some muscle to pull those nets in when they're filling with fish, almost to the point of tearing. Notice that there's risk involved because if those nets tear as happy as they were about the catch of fish, I'm sure there was a little bit of anxiety because if the nets tear, the catch will be lost and they'll be out a net. And that's probably a, an investment, an expense that they would have. It's not, it, that's, that's how they make their living. But they begin to get these different results. Look at what happens next. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. Again, this massive result. Not only they're, 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 they're raking in the fish, and the, boats are beginning, the boat is beginning to fill up, and they realize they're still catching fish. So they call another boat out. And that boat begins to fill up. And they're filling it up and filling it up so much so that now it's going, it's the, the water line is going up on the boat. And the boat's going down in the water. And again, it's a little bit scary probably. Are they going to get swamped? Are they going to have this massive windfall only to lose everything? Lose the catch, lose the nets, lose the boats. Hopefully not lose their life, but it would probably be a little bit scary as well as exciting. That's something to reflect on as you follow Jesus. But notice here, still a massively different result. And now it's not only benefiting Simon Peter, but it's benefiting others. And there's still a little bit of anxiety, still a little bit of stress, still a little bit of danger. Look at what happens next. They're probably still out in the boat. This is probably a 12 to 18 foot boat, according to what I've seen. So they're raking in the fish. And, and the moment that Peter gets a second to just think about what's going on, he's awestruck and he becomes a little bit uh, overwhelmed. And his response is he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh, Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. What's going on there? Maybe a little bit of pride about his own abilities and his own expertise has been displaced by Jesus' power, and he's feeling a little bit humbled. 
he's recognizing who Jesus is, that he's just not some itinerant preacher, but somehow he is in control of much more than anyone else can control and begins to be humbled by that. And, and the, 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 the posture of falling down is a posture of worship. It's a posture of surrender. It's releasing control. And he says, I, I, I'm too bad to be around someone this good. There's a change happening, a result happening on the inside as well. The other thing that, this is, that you'll see in this is if he had not had that experience, he would not know Jesus in the same way. What did he know about Jesus? He knew he was an awesome preacher. He knew he could do some miracles. But there was something about this personal experience that he had with Jesus that transformed him, gave him a new perspective on who Jesus is and a new perspective on himself. As you go through walking with Jesus, you can expect to have the same thing. It goes on to say, for he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. It created awe. Now, what was Jesus' response to this? He says, don't be afraid. In other words, yes, you're getting a new appreciation for who I am and what I can do, but it shouldn't be a cause for fear from now on. Here's the result. From now on, I'm going to give you a new mission. From now on, you're going to have a new objective and purpose in life. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And you're going to do the same kind of thing that you've been doing, casting the net wide, pulling the net in, bringing people into the boat. But it's not fish anymore, and it's not just to make money. It's people that you're going to bring into the kingdom of God. Now, the other thing I thought about this for a second was, you know, he, Jesus had already encountered Peter and, and Andrew, his brother, and James and John, the sons of Zebedee. We see that in the other gospel accounts. And they had been invited to follow him. Um, that was a big step, of course, giving up their business. Uh, Peter was married, so he had a family to, to take care of. James and John were lined up to receive the business from their father. Their father probably needed their help. They were the ones that were set to inherit this business. What did that catch of fish do for them? I think it's very possible to think that all of those disciples could think, okay, it would be okay to follow Jesus. <laughs> he, he can provide he can do the things that need to be done in order for us to take this step. How many of us, you know, I don't, I don't know if I can give up that job. I don't know if I can give up that time because I need to make that money. I need to make that sale. I need to do that thing. Anytime that that begins to conflict with Jesus, I think that's the wisdom and timing issue again. What does that mean? And I think perhaps this was something that would help Simon Peter to realize it's okay to surrender control. Jesus has got this. He's going to take care of me. So he says, don't be afraid. From now on, you're going to have a new purpose. You'll be fishing for people. And so what was the result? 
as soon as they landed. And the boat pulls up on the shore. It's, uh, the boats pull up on the shore. They're full of fish. I'm sure that they took the fish to the market. They received the benefit of that. But basically, they said, okay, we're done with fishing. They left their boats. They left their nets. And from that point on, they followed Jesus. So we talked about control. What are we saying about control? Surrender control of your life to get different results in your life. So what's the next step? Now, we're built around next steps. That's part of our philosophy of ministry. So that's why in the growth guide and at the bottom of the cards, you will see a lineup of these next steps. Say yes, worship, connect, serve, give, include. These are the next steps that make up membership at Cornerstone. Saying yes is surrendering control. Worship, gathering together with the church to worship on a regular basis. Connect, you're gonna make relationships usually in a small group setting. Serve, everybody serves and volunteers at least once a month. Give, give regularly, include, include others regularly. This is the next step of saying yes. Now saying yes is the step of salvation. It's when for the first time you say, yes, Jesus, I want to receive your forgiveness for the past and I want to follow your lead in the future. But the same way that we say yes to Jesus at the beginning is the same way that we say yes to Jesus on a daily basis. We surrender control. So what I'd like you to do is think about what's one area of my life where I'd like to see different results. What I've been doing hasn't been working. I've been working hard, but it necessarily hasn't been working out. So what is that area in your life? And then ask the Lord to take control. Now, does that mean that everything that you hope for is all of a sudden going to happen? No, of course not. What you're doing is you're surrendering those results to your Heavenly Father, knowing that sometimes that will make a world of difference immediately, knowing sometimes that the answer is still going to be no because I trust that he's saving me from something that I really don't want or saving me for something that's better. But that's what it means to follow Jesus. It's surrendering control. It's saying yes. It's asking him to be in charge. I've mentioned within the last couple of weeks the series called The Chosen. And the scene that is kind of a reenactment, similar re to, to this one, made a profound impact on me. And I've been trying to work out the implications and live out the implications of that scene and this passage of Scripture from that point on. In this scene, Peter is fishing overnight pretty much by himself. He needs that catch of fish desperately. He's not getting a single fish. And it's almost pathetic and heartbreaking because he's got his lamp and he's like leaning over. He's like, where are the fish? I can't find the fish. I need fish. And he's working all night and he's frustrated. At the end of the day, the end of the night, he pulls the boat up and you know the story, we just read it. And then the fish 
just start flooding into the net. He calls over Andrew and James and John, and they're gathering up these fish and filling up the boat. And it was just such a powerful contrast, a visual contrast now between the results of our efforts, even when we work hard, and God's word when he just says so. And so I took those two scenes and I screen captured them and I put them together side by side, printed them out, put them on my bulletin board. It stayed on my bulletin board for a long time just to remind me of the difference between my self-effort and God's say-so. And since that point and for the rest of my life, I am going to be working out the implications of that. How can I surrender control, surrender to his timing, follow his wisdom so that his will, his say-so is what prevails? So if you have the card, if you're filling it out online, the next step that we're highlighting is to say yes to Jesus. If that's your heart's desire, just circle that once. If you're doing that for the first time, put a second circle around it so that we can celebrate that with you and encourage you and resource you in your next steps. To close this out, this reminds me of a, of a phrase from another character in another part of the gospel where the Roman is inviting Jesus to come and heal his servant. And it's that scene where he's expressing his faith. Lord, you don't even have to come to the house. You, I'm a man of authority and under authority, so I know how this works. All you have to do is say the word. So he says, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. As we end today's time together, I think that that would be a good prayer for us. We're going to surrender control to the Lord, but we're going to ask him to just say the word. In whatever our needs are, whatever we've been working hard at, whatever our hopes and dreams are for ourselves, for the people that we love, surrender control, and at the same time, ask him to just say the word. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, what, great what a great confidence it is to know that you love us and have our best interests at heart, that we can know that beyond a shadow of a doubt because you sent your son to die on the cross on our behalf, that it, we never have to wonder if you love us, we never have to wonder if you're for us. Our circumstances will lie our feelings are fickle. Our understanding fails. But you are faithful. And the cross stands as a forever memorial to your love, care, and concern for us. And so it's safe. It won't always be easy, but it's the safest thing to do to surrender control to you. So I pray, Lord, that you would show us each what aspect of our life we're still clinging to control that we need to release. And I pray, Lord, that you would show us exactly what it means to follow you in that situation. And we ask for all of these situations on all of our hearts and minds 
that you would say the word so that we might be healed and whole. We thank you for this. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we are going to give you an opportunity to talk it out and live it out. Let me make a suggestion based on what I've seen, especially here uh, on site. If you're doing this online, feel free to use the discussion, the chat to have this conversation. It'll stay on for, uh, for a good little while after that, so I would encourage you to do that or to talk about it with the other people that you're watching with. For those of you that are staying here, feel free to rearrange the chairs. And uh, I would suggest, however, number one, that it, you stay in groups of about six to eight. Sometimes we've had a huge group, and that means that some people don't participate, and it makes it a little bit easier for people to kind of fall through the cracks. So six to eight is probably about an ideal size. Feel free to rearrange the chairs and do that. Another thing is when we have teens, we don't have as many this time, but I would just encourage you to include and invite in the teenagers that are in our congregation because sometimes if they're not in specifically invited, they can feel kind of left out and kind of drift off. So include them, make them a part of the groups that you are participating in. And uh, I will leave it to you to organize, to discuss the questions and to dismiss yourself when the time comes. I remember what the third thing I was going to tell you was. The point of these groups, online, in your homes, on site, is not to get through the questions. The point is to have a good discussion. And hopefully that'll be helpful with that, but make sure that you focus on that, not on getting through the questions. Have a great week, and I'll see you next Sunday. Pro-